Good morning. Greetings to you all in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for today's meditation. Uh, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 to 23. That is 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 to 23. And Sam, uh, Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is an iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also rejected you from being king. A um, couple of months ago, you know, something that really struck me is from the life of Saul. So, uh, these words, Samuel, uh, he's a prophet from Old Testament, is saying to the king Saul, in order to understand the context, you have to rewind a little bit, understand the background story a little bit. Israelite sinned, and they went after other gods, and they did what is not right in the sight of God. So, God kind of, okay, you don't want me, so you don't want my protection. Uh, now, some of the phrases that I'll be using is like modern-day contextual way of saying may, may not be in the Bible. When I say God said that, it literally doesn't mention in the Bible, but you got the idea, right? Uh, just want to be clear there. Uh, so, um, God is like, you know what? So, you don't want my protection. So, the Philistines come. They win over Israel. They take some of them captives. They destroy them, uh, uh, you know, the kingdom of Israel. Some flee from wherever they are. And technically, they, there is no longer a kingdom of Israel. I said the word technically. Uh, I mean, Israel is still there, but not the way it's supposed to. So when the Philistines attacked, they looted them like you know, Romans looting, you know, in the old, you know, olden days you've heard of stories how they, you know, when the king wins, they take everything, all the precious stuff from the uh, kingdom. So one of the things that they took was Ark of the Covenant. I'm just imagining, you know, the Philistines go by and they're like, wait a second, that is made of pure gold. We want that. Uh, it doesn't mention how they carried it, but maybe, you know, they put it on a cart or something and Philistines take away Ark of the Covenant. Now, they do not know what an Ark of the Covenant is. And it's a very serious thing. Even the Israelites didn't take it very seriously, it looks like. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't have gone after the other gods. Uh, but for God, it's a very serious thing. Because that's where the presence of God dwelt in Older Testament among the people. So an interesting thing happened. So if you look, so this is all book of Samuel I'm talking about. So Philistines take this and they take and put it in a place called Ashdod. And they take it to their temple, their God's temple, and they put it there and they leave. The next day they come back, their big statue god, Dagon, 
is on the ground. And they're like, wait a second, what happened here? So, you know, they put it back. They come back the next day, it fell down again. This time it broke into pieces. The next thing you see is there is people started falling sick. Uh, they all got tumors. Uh, it says in the Bible, they got tumors. People started dying. And that's when they realized, wait a second, the only thing that changed is we brought this ark, which belongs to the God of Israel, and this is what is making us sick. This needs to go. So that they take it from there to bring it to Gath, which is another Philistinian territory. And the same thing starts to happen here. There was great destruction. The word used in the Bible is great destruction. And they had tumors. And it continued. Then all the Philistines came. The lords of the Philistines came. They're like, what do we do? They moved it to Ekron. Same thing. Great destruction. People are dying. There is plagues. You know, there's tumors. There's people can't. They're like, you know what? Ark of the Covenant needs to go. This doesn't belong here. And what they do is, it's, it's very interesting how you read that. Uh, how they return it. They go to their priest and diviners and say, what shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it to its place. And they give a huge list of things. You know what? We need to, it's just not returning it. We need to make a trespass sacrifice. They're saying we need to make amends. We need to make sure we say sorry. How do we do that? They made gold uh, tumors, a replica of tumors out of gold. They, and they got uh, golden rats uh, that plagued. So they give a huge instructions of all these things that they want to send it out with the Ark of the Covenant to make peace with the God of Israel so that his hand is not heavy upon him, on them. So they may put it all, and it there says they took two oxen, which is the two cows, uh, which is never yoked, and they put it on a cart, put the Ark of the Covenant on it, and send it away. And when it entered Israel, uh, they looked at it, wait a second, that's Ark of the Covenant. They're super excited that they got it back. And they bring it out fast forward. They don't have a temple to put it. The Ark of the Covenant stays in the Holy of Holies, but they don't have one. So for now, they decide to put it in the house of Abinadad. So that's where the Ark of the Covenant reaches. And as you see, Israelite, they have a long history of going away from God, coming back to God. Going away from God, coming back to God. Does that remind you of anybody? It's all of us, right? Uh, sometimes I wonder how Israelites can do things like after seeing the cloud of, you know, uh, the, the pillar of fire and, you know, uh, all the protections dividing the Red Sea. How can they disobey God? Like, I wondered, like, you know, they've seen the miracle of God. They've seen God really work uh, in their life. And how can we be disobedient? And then I compare my life to it. God has been so good to me. And there are times that I go away. And it, it, it's, it's so, I don't blame them. You know, it's, it's a human nature. So, 
now Israel, uh, this was the only nation on earth that did not have a king. As far as I know, and the, you know, as far as, the Bible, as far as I understand from the Bible, every every nations had a king. For Israel, God was their king. God said, "You know, I am your king." So when and they had judges at that time. Uh, so Samuel was one of the prophets, and he was also the judge. Um, so. The, um, the Israelites go and says, you know what? We want a king. Everybody else has a king. We want a king, human king, who would uh, go into battle for us, who will rule over us, who will just, uh, you know, um, uh, provide a true judgment. And they ask for a king. Samuel got furious. And he goes, no, 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 no. God is our king. But they pressed on and said, no, we need a king. So Samuel goes to God and asks, God, what do I do? And God says, you know what? They asked for a king. Give them a king. But you have to warn them what that will bring. So Samuel goes back to Israel and said, listen, you understand what you're asking, right? If you ask for a human king, they're going to take your sons and daughters. They're going to take your sons, put them into office, you know, taking care of your chariots. They're going to take your daughters, put them into perfumers, bakers, cooks. They will take, he will take tenth of what you make. He has the right to take whatever he needs. And it's going to be more burden for you than, you know, than God being the king. But they insisted no. So finally, this Samuel said, yes, you will get a king. And that's how God chose Saul to be their king. Saul is the first king of Israel. So it's an interesting story. So when you have time, please go back and read it. How he finds you know, uh, Samuel and how Samuel anoints him to be the king. And... He start, you know, uh, God chooses him to be king. He goes, fights some battles. He wins the battles. He starts putting, you know, putting things in place. And the description that given in the Bible is like there was nobody like Saul at that day. Like he was tall, handsome, strong. He was. He looked like a king, right? Now, but understand this: it's a human who is now ruling the nation of Israel. Because they rejected God. See, I, 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 it's, it's very interesting how sometimes we, for, uh, we pray so much for one thing. God knows it may not be the best thing for us, but he still give it to you because you were so much wanting it. I'll give you an example. When my, my father, you know, my in-laws moved to Texas, my father-in-law, when he got his first job from his paycheck, he sent some money out and said, you know what, I want you to buy kids some toys. So I take Timmy and Tirza uh, to, you know, uh, we all went uh, to Walmart. And there we are looking at toys. And Timmy is so excited, you know, he's going to different aisles and he's like, ooh, I want this, I want that. Now, as a father... 
I want to give what is best for my son by default. So I am looking at toys that is like a remote control car, you know, a drone, or maybe something really nice that will last long, maybe a bit expensive, but it's okay. So I'm looking at these options. But my son looks at this dinosaur toy, which is like $9 really cheap plastic that is going to break in next two hours. He's like, I want that. And I'm like, no, son, listen, this is not great. You know, the, I'm trying to explain to him, listen, this is not what you need. Yes, you like it, but I have something better for you. But he, he was like insisting and persistent. Finally, you know what? Okay, go for it. You know, that is what I compare when, when I read this passage. Israel, God did not want them to have a human king. He wanted to be the king. But instead, they forced him so much, they were like begging and pleading. God said, fine, you have it. Now, if you look at the history of um, Israel, Ever since they had kings, 90% of the time, that was only bad for them. They always led them away from God. They, uh, you know, they did all, most of the kings did a lot of bad things. Uh, kingdom got divided. Then they had two kings. It wasn't a good history when they had kings. So comparing that to our life, you know, Sometimes it's very important to be obedient in what God wants us to do versus choosing things for ourselves. So fast forward, Saul, you know, becomes the king. And Samuel goes and say, gives the God's word and said, you know what, Amalekites, you need to fight a battle. And you have one job to do, destroy everything destroy everything. Nothing should be left behind. He goes into the battle. He wins the battle. And instead of obeying God's word of destroying everything, he looks at it and is like, oh, look at that ram, that bull. This is awesome. You know what? I'm going to take some home so that I can sacrifice to the Lord. So he does not destroy everything. He brings that and worst of all, he let the king Agag live. And he brings him too. So he proudly comes here. He is ready to sacrifice. And Samuel, what is that I hear? Did not God tell you to destroy everything? And he said, yeah, but you know what? Look at that. That's a perfect sacrifice animal. I brought them. He said, no. And that is where he is saying this word. To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed than the fat of rams. So what I want to tell you is sometimes in our life, we disobey God. And we, self, we justify it. If God wants, what God wants is not a justification, not your intentions, not 
He, he, he just wants your pure obedience. Sometimes we stay in a relationship that God doesn't want you to do, or sometimes you cut a relationship with, which God wants you to have. And then we justify it. We put conditions to it. If this person's do X, Y, Z, I will forgive them. No, if God says do this, you do this. And you know, the, the, the most interesting part is like, he was chosen as a king. And the next thing you know, he was rejected as a king because he disobeyed. One disobedience. And he was completely, he was, he was, he, he's no longer a fit for a king. And if you go further down, the word they say is God regretted. That's the word they use. God regretted for making Saul the king. Let that sink in. Have we ever disobeyed God? And then we came up with our own excuses to justify what we did. Moving forward, there's another interesting story. The, you remember the Ark of the Covenant came back to Israel, Israel? but it's, they, don't ha, they, they don't have a place to put it, right? It's sitting in somebody's house right now. Now, after the Saul's time, King David came, and he did a lot of right things. Uh, he was right before God most of the time. Uh, and he had a desire, and his desire was, to bring the Ark of the Covenant back, back to his household. So he puts up a plan. He goes, you know what? I'm going to do this, you know, much better than how people did it in the past. So he builds a cart. He puts, you know, two animals, you know, completely decorates it, have singers, the best musicians, the best sound system. You can imagine everything, the best, because he's the king. And he goes to Abinadab's house, puts the Ark of the Covenant on the cart, and starts coming. Now, this is what happens. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 6 to 7. Again, uh, 2 Samuel 6, verse 6 to 7. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nakon, Uzzah put out his hand to the Ark of God and took hold of it. For the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God struck him down there because of his error. And he died there besides the ark of God. Let that sink in. Just, just imagine what might happen, right? They are, you know, big party. There's a big caravan. You know, everybody's dancing in there. Uh, this is son of Abinadab. He's in the back, you know, maybe the oxen kind of shake, the cart kind of tilted, and he went to just grab it. And he touched the Ark of the Covenant. And the guard's anger came, and he was struck down there immediately. Now, you'll be wondering why, why that happened. If you don't have a context, let's go back a little bit. So, in book of Numbers 4.15, it says, And when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishing of the sanctuary as the camp set out after the sons of Kohath 
shall come and carry these, but they must not touch the holy things, lest they die. These are the things of the tens of meeting that the sons of Kohath are to carry. Now, uh, you have uh, different tribes in Israel, and the Levites were the one who was given the priestly responsibility. The, all the temple godly related stuff, it was given to them. So they do everything uh, around that. However, the lineage of Kohath, their job, they have only one job. They do not do anything else. Like specifically in Levites, the holy things can only be carried by sons of Kohath. And there is instructions there. Like you cannot touch it. You touch it, you die. So there is... You know, you take the pole, you put it in, and it needs to be carried. The Ark of the Covenant is supposed to be carried on the shoulders by specifically designated people. And Azar goes and touches it, and he dies. Now, it's interesting how the word used. He's, you know, it says, uh, God struck him down there because of his error. Now, the key word is error. This is NKJV. What is the difference between mistake and error? You know, contextually speaking, you know, if, you know those English teachers, they, they, they understand this better. Uh, so the mistake is when you're careless and you accidentally do something. For example, I'm in the part of the sound team, so morning, you know, I'm tired, I come, go quickly, grab a microphone and give it, a Steph's mic to Laura. That's a mistake. I know whose mic is who, which one. But in spite of knowing, being care, not careful, I switched it. So that's a mistake. But error, the word error is mainly used when you have lack of knowledge. You don't know. You know, it says, hey, a bank employee's error. The fund was transferred to a wrong account, right? You read those newses. Error is when the person doesn't know the protocol as much as they should. So they make the mistake not knowingly. So that's the error. So my assumption is he did not know he's not supposed to touch it. Instead, he goes and touches it. And the thing is, 400 years ago, this, this, is, you know, this commandment was given almost 400 years ago before David uh, you know, uh, decided to move the Ark of the Covenant. God doesn't change. The commandment doesn't become irrelevant. The commandment was very specific. You're not supposed to teach it. Doesn't matter. His intention might have been good. He had a great intention. He didn't want the Ark of the Covenant to fall. So he reached out and touched it. Doesn't matter what the intention was. It could have been a good intent. But... When God says something, He wants our utter obedience. Now, if you look between these two stories, right? In the first Saul, he knew what he was doing. He created an excuse. He, he knew how to obey God. He was a clear instruction. And he disobeyed God. In the second situation, he disobeyed God because of ignorance. Maybe he didn't know what to do. 
Our ignorance is not an excuse to disobey God. That is why we have the word of God. This is where our instruction is. So I somewhere read this uh, Bible. The full form of Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. Right? And it, it, I just remembered it. And that's what it is. It's your basic instructions before leaving earth. So you can live a life of disobedience, not knowing that you are disobeying God. Sometimes you choose to disobey God. Whatever the case is, disobedience is disobedience. Shall we all close our eyes? Let's go into the presence of God and ask Him, God, is there any places in our life that we are not obedient to you? There are situations in life we know what we are doing is wrong. Yet we continue it. In the Old Testament, when you sin, when you disobeyed God, to reconcile with God, you had to bring a sacrifice. You would bring the sacrifice to the altar you place that animal on the altar and you sacrifice and make atonement with God. We don't do that anymore because we have an eternal sacrifice in Christ Jesus who came, who loved us so much. God loved us so much. He came down to earth. He died on the cross as a symbol of sacrifice on the altar. And he gave us, now when we disobey, like a child that is running to father, you can just run into his presence and say, Father, I disobeyed and I'm sorry. Help me. Help me to stay in your path. And he has given us Holy Spirit to guide us every single day. I want you to take a moment to reflect on this word. Is there any areas of your life that you're struggling with obedience to God? God might ask you things. Understand, when God asks you to do things, He's going to give you things. He's going to provide all the resources, all the necessary. Sometimes you're like, God, I'm weak. He makes you strong. What all he needs is your obedience. Sometimes we are like rebels. We are stubborn. And God says, I need your obedience.